This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I am unashamed. What about you? So we are excited to uh, have a very special guest on the uh, Unashamed podcast, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Welcome. Uh, is a, a great uh, patriot. Thank you for your, first off, for all your years of service to the country and yes. continuing because you're still doing a lot of great things. Yes. Well, we, we continue to try to do good things for the country. And as someone told me that the oath that I took on 31 July 1982, it doesn't have a statute of limitations. It's uh, an oath for life. Oh, I love that. That's really good. So we're in a little bit different environment. Our, our unashamed audience will notice, Alan, we've had uh, – we were talking before we started uh, rolling that uh, we've had two hurricanes uh, that came through Louisiana and another tropical storm, uh, you know, during till season. So we have uh, been quite displaced, you know, moving around our area. Kind of, we had didn't have power till last night, so it's been a little bit crazy uh, on our end. So, but um, you know, you, you adapt and overcome, right? Absolutely. Improvise, adapt, overcome, but we still lift you all up in prayer there in Louisiana, Mississippi, because uh, you've been taking it in the chin. Yeah. yeah, it's been a rough it's been a rough run. To show you how the Almighty operates, West, uh, it would have taken me about almost a month to move a pump down there and pump our duck place where we duck hunt. It would have taken about a month to pump that hole full of water for ducks. The Almighty rolled through, and in one night, he filled the whole thing up, <laughs> running over. <laughs> well, we got too much water. <laughs> we, I was like, you know, Lord, call, call it off here. We, we good? Well, that's what you call a silver lining in, in, the, yep. in the Robertson world. We, we, we want to fill our duck hole. We hate to, it has to take a hurricane to be able to it's, do that. It did save me about $5,000 on diesel to pump the thing up, so yeah. we got it free this time. Well, the good thing for Dad is, and he was talking about this, although it's funny because Dad was making fun of Jason and I for being subdivision guys, you know, and, and <laughs> complaining about not having power. And yet he's got a generator that as soon as the power goes off at his house, it will light his whole house up, you know. So he's living in the comforts and making fun of us. <laughs> because when you're at the end of the road down in the woods and you, things happen like you start hearing these gigantic sounds during the night, so I get up the next morning on both these things, one six weeks ago and then the one Friday night. So I get out there when the smoke cleared the next morning, and I mean, it's just big oak trees. I mean, covering the road, power lines down. So I walk out, get somebody to meet me with a four-wheeler, and I said, let's go get a backhoe and let's get these trees out of the way. Yep. So we cut our way through and open it up to where we can get out of there. But, but you're I'm the just last. saying, be prepared, boys. You know, you got one of these <laughs> generators. Yeah. I'm just prepared. I'm not paranoid, but I'm ready for whatever comes. You know, it's interesting, Alan. So one of the mm-hmm. observations that I've seen in the hurricanes and everything that's gone on here in Louisiana, compared to a lot of what's been going on in the country, is these storms roll through. And the next day, literally, I see people come out of their homes, instantly go over to their neighbors, 
chainsaws, you know, what do you need? Do you need to say somewhere? And it, I think about it, it's, it's the greatest part of America yeah. is community pulling together. And, and there's groups of people here. I mean, we talk, we jokingly say this is the redneck heaven because everybody's got a chainsaw and everybody's willing to cut a tree up. And so, but it is amazing to see people come together to be able yeah. to help each other versus some of the things we've seen where it's all destruction. I mean, it's like, other people's yeah. property, whatever. Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because the comparative analysis is you, you look at our urban population centers, you look at the gang violence, you look at the drug violence, you look at all of the tearing down of statues and the destruction of property and things of that nature. What you all are talking about, that would never happen out there in the, right. in the in the rural areas because That's like right. you said, you come together and it's all about the fundamental principles and values of the, the rural areas. And that's what we need to get inculcated back into those urban population centers. Look, I was born in 1961 in a, in a blacks only hospital in the Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in the same inner city neighborhood that produced Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And once upon a time, we did have that sense of community. We did have that sense of, you know, watching over each other and taking care of each other because we had that sense of pride. We had those fundamental principles and values that said that we wanted to be individually responsible and accountable exactly uh, to right. and each other. But guess what happened? All of a sudden, the left comes in and they take away that sense of being a victor and they create victims. Yep. And so that is what has has drawn this difference. You know, out there where you all are living in the rural parts of, of Louisiana and, and what have you, you're not about being a victim. Like your dad just, like Phil just said, he got out of his house. He went, you know, went out there and found someone and they got together and they start, you know, sawing up those, those uh, trees so they can open up the road. You didn't sit back there and say, who's going to come do it for me. That's right. (laughs) Well, that's what rugged individualism is all about. But the left, the Democrat party, that's taken it away from people. It's a a great point. It is. And and you're right. By the way, so uh, let me go on the record. You will never, ever, ever see me walking down the road inside a city limits of a town with a stick and a sign, whatever is written on it. I'm not getting in the street with a sign, West. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, what in the world? I saw one the other day. It said, little girls, 25-year-old girls, we're going to hell and we're proud. I'm like. Walk down a city street with a sign over your head that says, oh, I'm going to hell, but we're proud. I'm thinking, what in the world ever happened to the United States of America? It's a, it's a sad thing more than a mad thing. I'm looking at them and I'm like, man, give me a break. Well, you know, again, Phil, when you look at the breakdown of the family, uh, you know, even though I was born in a blacks only hospital in 1961, the two parent household in the black community across the United States of America at that point was somewhere about 75 to 77 percent. I remember that. I remember. It. Yeah. Today is 24 wow. percent. And so when you start to break down the family structure. Guess what happens? Everything else breaks down. The community breaks down. The church breaks down. That's right. Uh, because you don't have that strong foundation of a, of a mother and a father in the home raising up the children. As it says in Proverbs 22, 6, when you train up a child in the way that they should go, when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. They yep. certainly are not going to go out in the streets with a sign that says, you know, we're all going to hell and I'm proud of it. 
uh, my daddy, my mama would come down out of heaven and beat me. Still. <laughs> if I was, you know, yeah, you want to get that belt on your butt, just go ahead and say, you know, I'm going to hell and I'm proud. I'm like, yeah. I still, I still live in fear of Buck and Snooks West coming down out of heaven. <laughs> I'm telling because you, because that's my basement. That's yeah. a great point, and we're still that way with 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 Dad as well, uh, Alan. He's, uh, you know, we we respect him. And he, he instilled that in us, you know, and so it's really interesting because we get to do this podcast together now and do a lot of, you know, great Bible study and all that. But, I mean, Jason and I and, and my brothers and now sister, uh, we respect that, you know, because they instill that in us. And you're right. And we're generational faith. We're generational independence. We all run, have our own businesses. I mean, all that is built out of what you said earlier is just that American ideal um, that for so long worked so well, and now you got people just wanting to turn it on its head and destroy it, really. I, when, the, when the Apostle Paul was talking to that bunch of brains in Acts 17, he said, From one man God made every nation of men. He determined the time set for them, the exact places they should live. He did this so men might reach out and seek him, perhaps find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Now just think about it. We have the human race. We all came from Adam. Just look west at what they've done to that. This what color you are with this. It, I mean, you're like just nonsense. Just one race on planet Earth. It's called the human race. And you can get out of here alive. But that's the politics of division. That's when you get into the identity politics, and that's how you, as as the old maxim goes, you divide and you conquer. And that's what we see happening even here in the United States of America. And that's one of the primal senses of uh, socialist Marxism, uh, of course, is based upon pitting different classes against each other. Yeah. Yep. But now taking it to the point where we're pitting different races and, and whatever we can find to separate people, we're pitting that uh, against each other. But, you know, you just brought up another great point because you talked about how you respect the authority of your dad. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if you don't have that dad in the home. And then imagine if you don't foster that type of respect for authority. And so when we have broken down that respect for authority because we've broken down that respect for family, the traditional nuclear family, then you don't have respect for teachers. And you see that in our schools. That's right. Then you don't have respect for our government institutions and authorities because we don't have people that are teaching that. Then you don't have respect for our law enforcement because you don't respect and regard anything out there because you basically just been told you can do whatever you wish and whatever you want. And so when when people have said, you know, when Barack Obama said back in 2008 that we're five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America, look at where we are now. So I've noticed the older I get, the more I hurt. I mean, just in a general statement. I mean, from, the, from the pristine waters of New Zealand. <laughs> comes what? Comes the, the all from muscles. There you go. Omega XL. I'm impressed, Dad. He, he immediately went from a... <laughs> I'm surprised. That's right. His dad's a bitch. Zero man. pharmaceuticals. All I take is... What comes out of the pristine waters of New Zealand? That's right, and and the the thing about it is, you get older, inflammation is your issue. So that's usually what causes all the problems. So the Omega XL guys have figured out 
how to fight inflammation. And dad's right. It comes from muscles, which I guess makes sense because that's, you know, our muscles are where our problems are too. Different sort of muscle. Yeah. Well, I don't mean something. I'm just saying that they both work both ways, muscle to muscle. So anyway, uh, we, we, dad and I love this product. You need to try it, uh, especially if you got some aches and pains and some uh, inflammation issues. You go to omegaxl.com slash feel. That's omegaxl.com slash feel. Or you can call them 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Get some muscles for your muscles. Stay out of the drugstore and go with the pristine waters of New Zealand. So uh, Lisa and I met you and your wife uh, on a cruise a couple of years ago that we were doing with uh, 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 Brent Brozell for MRC. So that was how we got to know you. So a few months after that, I guess it was maybe it was earlier this year or last year, uh, the guys at My Faith Votes uh, were Mm -hmm. connected then because they do our books and stuff. And so they were like, go ahead. Jason Yates. Yeah, that's right. So so uh, so he he sent me an email. He said, you wouldn't happen to know Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, would you? Because we were talking with him maybe about being our national spokesman. And so I was just wondering if you guys had known him. I said, well, I, I just spent a week with him. He's, he's one of the smartest, most articulate people I've ever met in my life. I said, I couldn't think of a better uh, spokesman for my folks. So it was interesting. You didn't know that I said that about you. But, I mean, I think that's true uh, and, and love that week we had with you. T- tell our audience a little bit about My Faith Votes because Dad has also – um, been one of the faces uh, for this thing as well in terms of what the purpose is for it? Well, the purpose is to get Christians to understand their faith. Uh, I was with Pastor Hagee down at Cornerstone uh, Christian Church in San Antonio a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, he has a great line called, vote, your, vote the Bible, vote your values, vote your faith. Yep. And my faith votes is really out there trying to get the Christian community uh, four years ago, in 2016, the number somewhere between 25 and 30 million Christians did not vote. Wow. I mean, they and when you have that sizable of a number, that has a, a trickle-down effect on the culture here in the United States of America. And so My Faith Votes is really focused on getting the Christian community informed, educated, and activated to be a part of the electoral process. Because if we don't, Think about this on the the most sacred day in the Judeo-Christian faith heritage. That's Easter. That's the day that is all about our faith. That's Resurrection Day. Churches were closed. But you could have gone to Home Depot. You could have gone to Walmart. The night before, you could have gone to a liquor store. If you live in certain states, you could have gone to a marijuana store. And so when Christians decide to sit it out, then you get the type of secular leadership that then will come back and say that churches are non-essential. Yeah. There's anything that is essential for the United States of America. It's our Judeo-Christian faith heritage. And you look at California right now where they still have churches that are locked up, shut, closed. Uh, You have a pastor out there with Grace Community Church, Pastor John McDonald, who is defying the orders of Governor Newsom. He's being threatened for going to jail. You think about Jack Phillips, the baker, from uh, Colorado, who had to go before the Supreme Court because he just didn't want to, you know, bake a cake for a same-sex marriage because he said, that's against my faith. That's against my belief. That's against your very first liberty, your freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. So if Christians, through my faith votes, if they don't understand their responsibility, not just to be subject to government, but to to be subject to righteous government, 
Right. That's the key, the key thing. And so we got to start, uh, you know, going back to the basics. You know, it says in Romans 12, chapter one, that we're not supposed to conform to this world. We're supposed to transform this world and we cannot transform it if we're not participating in that thing called an election. Oh, amen. Yeah, I put in my book, Jesus Politics. Uh, yeah. Pay attention to the individual politicians and their platforms. Ask yourself before you vote. Uh, are they God-fearing? Do they give more than just lip service to the king? This whole thing about just God bless America, maybe for a long time, I said, you know what? I said, I notice I don't hear politicians ever saying, we love you. I said, I'm beginning to think maybe they don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Trump comes along. I've met with him three times, short visits, but I did speak about spiritual matters. I pointed him to Jesus. I reminded him that we're all sinners. I said, Trump, you have sinned, haven't you? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, the next problem you have is a six-foot hole waiting on you. I said, we all go down in the grave, man. So that, I, I, that was my warm-up to point him to Jesus, saying he removed your sin on the cross. He'll raise you from the dead, Trump. I said, you got a better story? He said, I do not. I'm like, well, you better move on is all I tell you. I said, I hope you win the election. Well, he did. But I will say that he's pro-God, pro-Christianity, any way you want to slice it. And he's pro-Second Amendment. He's pro-duck hunting. I said, that's all I want. I'm not asking for the moon here, uh, uh, Alan. He's the most pro-life president that we have ever seen. That's there's correct. No, there's never been another president that showed up for the March March for Life. Yep. And so I think that the Christian community needs to understand is that, you know, God had Cyrus, Nebuchadnezzar, and Xerxes, that he moved upon their heart to do things for his people. Yep. And yep. if Christians are sending back word about someone that's perfect, I mean, let's remember that David, you know, sent a man to the front lines, Uriah the Hittite, so yep. that he could so that he could get Bathsheba. And, uh, you know, uh, Solomon, the wisest man that God ever blessed, you know, he wasn't exactly the the, the model of family values. I think he was about 300, 400 uh, wives. So we don't need to think that we know better than God. We don't know who God is sending to intercede for his people in a time such as this. You know, yeah. but not only that, you know, the Apostle Paul going around persecuting Christians to their yeah. death having them murdered, and he's the one that Jesus struck down on the road and said, hey, Go to got, the a, got, got a job for you to do. And so mm -hmm. he got the Apostle Paul's attention on a road to Damascus, but he ended up writing most of the New Testament, yeah. a known murderer and persecutor and blasphemer. You're like, boy, God does work in this. That shit tells you, Alan. I right. mean, look, God's been over backwards to save us. And we ought to pay attention to and it. And to Alan's point, you think about it, in God's wisdom, he took a Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, a Pharisee of Pharisees, to be the one to bring the primary to the Gentile. We, human wisdom would have never done that. I mean, no. we would have never said that was a good idea. And yet God knew what he was doing, you know, when it comes to picking leaders, you know, which is important. And, and we want to encourage all of our audience. I mean, you, we need every single vote because one thing for sure just like the last election, when you look at the alternative, then 
there is no alternative. I mean, what we're looking at is going off a cliff from my perspective. Do you agree with that, Alan? I mean, you see it as such a, I mean, it seems like a tipping point again. It is. And what I tell people, you know, I was elected as the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas uh, on the 20th of July. And congratulations, by the way. The choice is very simple. Either you stand for the rule of law and law and order or the rule of the mob and the chaos and the violence that you see out on our streets. And, you know, the lack of safety about defunding the police. They're talking about taking away your ability uh, to be able to defend yourself. I mean, the Second Amendment is your individual right. It's part of your Bill of Rights. And you have a person running for vice president on the Democrat side that has said she would use executive orders to take away the Second Amendment. That dog don't hunt. And you think about, you know, they they need victims. They don't want to economically empower people. They want to economically enslave them. And they want to turn the streets over to what has become a domestic terrorist insurgency. That's, That's what right. and Black Lives Matter are. So this is the playbook of socialism, Marxism, and communism. And here it is knocking on the doors of the greatest nation that the world has ever known, the United States of America. I'm telling you, yeah, you're exactly right. <clears throat> One last thing I wanted to uh, ask you about, Alan, because you, you did serve in Congress uh, a few years ago. And I, I want to know about your experience of doing that, because, you know, we always kind of look at it from the outside and it seems so, uh, what would you call it? Just rotten is the word that keeps coming to my mind, but it just seems so corrupt, I guess, Icky. In, in a general sense. And so what, you were on the inside of that. Now you're obviously on the outside of that. What, what's your take on not only your time in Congress, but sort of what happens there as to why that body just doesn't seem to be serving our country for a, for a pretty good while now. Well, the thing is that we all must understand, as Benjamin Franklin said on September the 17th, 1787, when our Constitution was signed, that, uh, you know, he was asked a question, is it a republic or a monarchy? He said, it's a republic if you can keep it. Yeah. So yeah. the people that you have in these elected positions are a reflection of who we are as the American people. And until we start to understand our fundamental principles and values, until we start to restore education that is based upon our history and understanding civics and reading our constitution ourselves, then you're going to continue to get people that are up there that don't truly understand the nature of a constitutional republic. Look, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing, no elected official has an enumerated power or right to be able to determine who and what is essential in the United States of America. That's right. Yeah. Yet we had people that just rolled over and allowed it to happen. So guess what is, is occurring? You are transferring your individual sovereignty. And why do I say individual sovereignty? Because the rights of individuals come from the creator God. The creator God is sovereign in the United States of America, and therefore you are sovereign. But we're transferring our sovereign rights and our liberties and our freedoms over to these elected officials. That is and true. Acting upon the self-interest and also special interests. So I think that what has to happen more than anything else, the American people got to re-engage. They have to be better informed, better educated, and then they can make the right decisions about the people that they send to Washington, D.C., or they send to the governor's mansions or state houses and state senates all the way down to the city councils. So that's what has to happen. And, and I will tell you that it was an honor to serve in the uh, United States Congress. You know, I was just a simple soldier and I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution. I did it in uniform. I continued to do it, but I got the opportunity to do it there in that institution. But not everyone understood that oath. And I think that that's why I really support getting more veterans 
into elected office. Yep. Yep. You've taken an oath and you've been willing to lay down your life for that oath. It means something to you. Yeah, it's a great, a great job. Well, okay. we just, I mean, I've been a big uh, fan of yours for a long time. It's been, it's been interesting for me to see how God is, you know, taking you through your different positions to serve and, and to help our country. So uh, you, you definitely fit into the unashamed motif that uh, the three of us love. So that's been really great. So uh, My Faith Votes, uh, if any of you want to check into that and, and see how you might can help and get involved there, mainly got to get out and vote, and we got to vote godly. Uh, th- those Amen. that can help the godly, that's what we want the most. Thank you so much, uh, Alan. Be sure and give our best to your wife and family as well. Absolutely. God bless and God be with you all. And make Thank sure you. you get out and vote. Thank you. Thank you Thanks, man. So we understand about running a business, uh, Duck Commander, of course, we were we were all part of the process that started, and now we all have several businesses that we run. One of the issues that small businesses run into is their HR, because you, you now in today's culture, because of lawsuits and government regulations and all this stuff, it forces you to have to deal with these issues. And so you, you, know, you have to hire a guy or some have a whole department of people that you're paying a lot of money just to figure out you're in compliance with all these regulations. I'd love to see what they'd do about old Uncle because yeah. I had to work right beside him <laughs> for years. He would be an HR nightmare. Human resource <laughs> nightmare. So there's a company, uh, Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E, uh, that basically has online HR, which saves you from having to hire people to do that. They basically take care of everything that you need. It's month-to-month, no hidden fees. You cancel any time. So you can get a free audit if you go check these guys out, Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E.com slash Robertson. Get your free audit. Get your HR problems taken care of. That's com slash Robertson. So that was an interesting uh, conversation with uh, Alan West. He, oh, I was why, getting, hey, I was getting lathered up. You know, I, I, I mean, that guy. Why was, is it that was, I feel like every guest we have on the podcast is way smarter than all three of us put together? Well, he was, because they are. <laughs> he was pushing my buttons because I've always said this. I, I'm not a big political guy because of what you said when you asked him. You know, there's a it just comes across as – a little dirty, you know, to be a politician. And I just don't, I don't like that right. because I don't know who's real and who's not. Now, are you just saying this because you want me to vote for you? And are you believing this because that's your party? And so I just, I vote on a godly basis. I look at the principles that are in this Bible and whoever has the most qualities, I, that's where I'm voting. Sometimes the, the, the fruit of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes that's a little slow in coming yeah. from the from the politicians in America. Well, I mean, you really have to use a sifter. Yeah, and you say, "Boy, we're running out of good men around here." And like he said, I, I think it's it's the core of the people because I mean, he talked about how he was brought up. He talked about his parents in heaven coming down to whack him around if you know if he went off the path. He was. He was. In- <laughs> when he said that, though, you know, I got to thinking about this. When I was a kid, I'm pretty sure I got a spanking not only from both parents, both grandparents, yeah. various aunts and uncles, <laughs> Look, and probably even me somewhere down. It's the not line. even stopping. And teachers and principals at my schools. 
I mean, I'm like, man, I was a terrible kid. <laughs> but I look back on it, and I thought, you know what? I needed my butt tore up. And I liked it that the principal came in there and said, what? you know, one of the worst spankings I got at a school is because he put me in charge. He said, I'm, we're not going to have a substitute. And this is in P.E. And he said, here's what I want you all to do while I'm going to be gone tomorrow. And he put me in charge. He said, we're going to run track. I was like, I got it. Great. So when he wasn't there, I gathered up. This guy's put me in charge. And I was like, if no one says anything, we're going to play basketball. Because <laughs> I don't want to run track. That's the dumbest thing ever. Just if we stick there. together, does everybody agree we're going to stick together? The whole class said we're sticking together. Uh-oh. All guys. So we play basketball. I know where this is going. The next day, he walked in and said, everybody up against the wall. And I thought, that joker's fixing to spank us. In school, back then, you could do it. And three licks, everybody. And he looked at me and said, I'm disappointed in you. Disobeyed oh. instructions. So yep. what did I do? Say, boy, yeah, we should have done right. No, I thought, who is the snitch? Because <laughs> we're fixed to whoop him. Which, hey, that, that's what you do when you you're in smell prison. a rat. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> confessing my sins here. <laughs> well, and I don't know about that one, because I don't know how old were you then. Do you remember? Eighth, ninth grade. Because the rule was, Dad, for us, is that if you get licks at school, or if oh, I get a call from the teacher that you've yeah. been doing something, you know, that you shouldn't be doing, then whatever you get there is duplicated at the house. I mean, that was just your oh, rule was you respect the authority of the teacher. Because you were a teacher and a coach. Well, that's the one that didn't get back to the house. Because usually when they spank you, they – Yeah. But he, he just did that yeah. in house. Right. And uh, so I, that, I figured the statute of limitations is up now, <laughs> Phil, because probably it's the first time you've heard that story. That's funny. Well, and that's what he was talking about. Such just a, a great, smart point that when you when you take authority out at the beginning, I mean, first from a from parent for two parent structure home, which we talked about this on a previous podcast, then you start breaking down how people respect authority in a culture. And he was right. He goes to school, then it goes just right down the line. Just Disrespecting yeah. your mother, three licks, uh, open antagonism, and screaming at the top of your lungs, and which comes to a certain amount of scuffling, a big argument, three licks for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is tearing up perfectly good equipment for now, no that good one, reason. And that one I disagree with. Yeah. You don't, but you went you with You don't them. kill possums and snakes with boat paddles. You get something else because okay. you break your boat paddle. I think paddle. we revisit this about we, every 20 podcasts. Every 20 podcasts we I'm bring this Here's the problem. When you don't have any money. I'm just reminding people of y'all's roots. Now, you're right on the authority. And what I realize is that we all make mistakes. And so we have a system that I've had to overcome because when you don't have much money, you buy cheap equipment. Then if you have a rule where if I tear it up, then I get a I get chastised. Or, or Disrespecting play. old men, three licks. I agree. With Disrespecting that your teachers, three licks. Disrespecting yeah. an old woman who you, instead of opening her door for you tapping her out, you you're getting hostile, three licks. <laughs> So those things, you know, but just built into the system. All right, so I no a, disrespect. I got a question for you, Dad. So, because this is a hypothetical, 
So we find out about Phyllis, but by the time we meet her, she's 44. If Phyllis had grown up with us, if we had discovered her earlier and she would have been a part of our family, would you have been able, would the same thing have applied to Phyllis? Because you have four sons. Would you have had the same approach to her? Good question. Uh, it would have been difficult for me to, to dispense uh, raps on the posterior end <laughs> of women. I, I just, I don't think I could have. I was, well, let me I was jump very in curious here. about that. Daughter. Now, y'all have daughters. Yeah, I, oh, I had no any. problem. <laughs> yeah, I had no problem. Now, I, I well, think I've only given Mia maybe two. She didn't get mine. Mine two didn't get many either. But, but they did get. But the ones they got, they but got. But the it. level of the crime. Oh yeah, you won't have a problem with it. Yeah. You know, if you if you lie, well, I never had to face that. Yep. Because yeah. Phyllis forty five years old when we met her. You know, so you know once once you know our code was to get about you know, 15, 14 or 15, I'd say 15, almost out of high school, the days of the yeah. of the strap, that's over. You, now let's it. talk. The last one you gave me, which we've talked about, was I was 16. We all got drunk. When you can get to the point where you're getting drunk, you're probably going to be past the point where the that's capital right. corporal punishment that's right. is going to work. Yeah, and, and and it was that was the well, last a lot of people went. argue about that. But I mean, I'm like in a place now. Just do something. I mean, when he said 24 percent, I mean wow. that one out of four. Woo, that's well, it. No that's, wonder we that's got among so the many black problems. community overall. I read the other day that we're down to about 40 percent of family structures have a mother and a father. Right. Well, if 60 percent do not have that. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's coming. There's, there's going to be a downturn like you haven't seen well, lately. We're, and we're seeing it. Yeah. And these people are champions of it. This uh, Democratic Party. So it's, it's. Uh, we're, we're hanging by a thread here. The way it looks to me. Well, to me, you should be rewarding people who follow that family structure instead of penalizing them through government, whatever. Right. Instead of the opposite, you shouldn't be rewarding. I mean, I realize you, there's opportunities to help, but somewhere we need to find a way to reward that because the consequences mm -hmm. of having 24% with one parent, well, you know that's not going to be good. Yep. I mean, look at that. When I shared all my <laughs> spankings and chastisement, oh, I needed that. Yeah. What we've done, what the Democrats are trying to do, erroneously, by the way, my view of Donald Trump it's not based on his personality at all. Men have p different kinds of personalities. Correct. But policy, if you look at his policies, that's right there, that's the number one thing. You say, what about his policies? When he said something, yeah. did he carry it out? Did he do it? Well, over and over and over and over, whether he's dealing with other leaders of the world or inside the United States, cutting taxes, I mean, you know, getting rid of all these regulations, fracking, getting, we're the number one superpower now. We're, we're a superpower as far as energy is concerned. We're, we're all independent. Oh, yeah. For the first said, time Who in did that? You say years. the policies of Donald Trump. That's right. You said, well, he's a little caustic. He's a little rough around the edges. I said, oh, that I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about his personality. I'm not worried yeah. about that. Well, you so he's a little bit belligerent at times and, you know, a little rough around the edges. What about his policies? I'm looking at them, 
And then they line up, and everything he said he was going to do, he did it. Right. So, well, but Phil, the point is, he made that point, and he's pro God. So you say, well, as a as a Christian, you're like, well, I'm glad that you know. So he, he's pro life. I said, well, of course he should be. So I, you just stack the policies up and look at that. And if you're a subdivision woman, said, oh well, he just kind of gets on my nerves. I said, well, honey. I'd just live with that because what about his policies? He's getting more money in your pocket. That's right. But he was saying you only have two choices. It's not you. you yeah. Th- it, it, who are you going to pick? It's not like you're saying, oh, I wish someone was perfect. Well, that's Jesus. Well, so we're going to vote Jesus first because he's the only one that's perfect. But then when you have two candidates, well, we all have flaws. I was listening uh, the other day. I was telling you about it to uh, a sermon by T.D. Jakes. And it was on John 8, and uh, it, the name of it was Don't Run With the Herd. And he basically came up with the scenario of, you know, the woman caught in adultery, she's brought. We got two groups of religious people now who are trying to trap Jesus by saying, let's stone this woman. And yep. technically they were right because in the law they had a right. That's what they did back there in that culture. Yep. And so Jesus, what's he going to do? You think, well, how's he, how's he going to get out of it? But he came up with that statement after he stooped to the ground and said nothing. He didn't participate in the banter and the riot and all the, you know, pick a side, which is because he was kind of given this visual image of what we have now. We have everybody has a herd and they're looking at somebody that's different and they're going up against that herd. And everybody has a propensity as human beings to pick rocks up and throw it at the other herd. That's right. And so it was a it was a fascinating lesson. But he got to the end where Jesus made that famous statement, and he said, "You without sin, throw the first stone." Because if you can stop that first stone from being thrown, we we've avoided what what's wrong with our country here. Of course, that you know we know how the story went. But I thought, you know what? About I, half of us are stone throwers. Well, that's right. Well, that's the first thing they do when you brought up Trump. Well, you got half the population they're they picking up the rock because they're like well look this guy is flawed but you got to yeah. realize you can say that about everybody yeah. Yeah. Well. so so you got to have some system by which you vote and if it's not god first godly principles you know the things we pro-life the, what we've talked about well, what are you gonna do so let's take yeah. a quick, let's take a quick break so this uh Sponsor that I love, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I love talking about it. Is uh, Tommy John underwear? So, Jace, have you tried the Tommy hey, John? I, look, I've been waiting for this ad to come up because I finally got got some of your size too. I have to admit, I was thinking, I mean, what? Because I'd played it up so big, so you were like, "This can't be." I was game changer. They're so good. The best pair of underwear I've ever worn. I'm 74 years old and never to this. To this day, uh, not realizing the source of my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> they just show up in a drawer, right? They're just in a drawer, and I don't know where they came well, from. Well, you need to write a note to Miss <laughs> K, because I'm telling you. Or the underwear fair, whoever it is. Now, I probably hadn't, the, hadn't had the greatest grade of underwear throughout my life, but these were the best underwear that I've ever put on. Because they don't ride down, Run, and they don't jump, ride up. tear, whatever you want to so do. So they have basically so. what they call the no wedgie guarantee, because they don't ride down, they don't ride up. That's what I love so much about them, So especially if you're active. So uh, here's how you get them. I, I'm telling you, you need to try them. 
tommyjohn.com slash fill, and you're going to save 15% on your first order, which is awesome. So it's tommyjohn.com slash fill. Try the Tommy Johns. Let us know what you think. So, you ever sinned? You know, say, well, Donald Trump, he come out of a rough background. I mean, you know, sinful behavior. I'm like, uh, I did too. And, and you look around, you say, well, who's, who's without sin? So how many times do you forgive somebody? Seven? Well, Jesus said 70 times seven. <clears throat> that's why I said personality, that's the least of my worries. Well, and I think the Supreme Court is the perfect example. I mean, you look at the opportunity, and it was amazing that one president got three opportunities in his four years yep. to put three justices to nominate them onto the court. And But look at where we were in decisions by the Supreme Court for the last few decades because, you know, you're getting more and more. They're getting away from the Constitution. Now Trump has the opportunity to put three traditional constitutional justices on the Supreme Court. And these are lifetime appointments. So you're talking about now for the next and all these other courts. I mean, think about that. That's going to shape our country for the next 30, 40 years. And that comes under the heading of what are his policies. That's right. Don't worry Good about point. his personality. Get to the policies. I get over the, the caustic nature of his coming back. I, oh, I can live with that. No problem. Right. Of course, it's funny. I don't vote for people based on personality. If I did, just think about that. I mean, we got Joe Biden the other day saying, I mean, you get out there and vote, you know, because I'm running for the Senate of the United States of America. <laughs> Look, that's a week ago. The man's running for president and got confused and said, no, I'm running for the Senate. I'm like, well, it is kind of funny. I said, Joe. <laughs> it is kind of funny, you're right, Dad, that people who have made the argument that they don't like Trump because he's so caustic and the way he is and, and like the debate and all that. But then you would say, so I'm going to, like Jay said, it's a binary situation here. So I'm going to turn around for the guy that really can't even talk without somebody showing him the word. And doesn't know the difference between running for president <laughs> and running for the Senate. But he's I'm obviously not. in dementia, and none of us relish that. I mean, it makes me sad to see. I, I, I look at... Uh, Vice President Biden's family, and I'm just like, if you were there, Dad, because we have a lot of dementia in our family history, yep. if you were in his situation, I would be the first one sitting down with Jason, but I said, we can't put Dad out there and, and try to force By him. By the way, if I ever start suffering from that ailment, which a lot of them, Tommy, my older brother. There's it, been three or four out of Oh, it hit him, yeah. It's some of my family members, so I'm very used to it. I, I want you boys to remember something. When I start showing the signs of dementia, now I know I'm a little I'm a little caustic myself at times, <laughs> but I don't mind uh, yeah, when y'all tell me. So, Dad, let me let me fill you in on some details here. The beginning stages of dementia is upon you. I'm like, I got you. Learn to live with it. Don't stick me in some home somewhere. You know, put me in a little cabin down there on the river. I'll be all right. Dad, well, trust just, me, I'm sure I'll be nominated to uh, be the spokesperson. You're going to be our spokesperson, Dad. I tr trust me now. I will never argue with you about it. What are you doing? But no, nope, I'm going to say, Well, okay. that's my point. Like, it's up to generations to not put your parents or your children in situations where they'll fail. And so, to me, it's I'm just offended as a, as a son when I see a guy put out there in a situation that he can't handle mentally. That's right. And you're trying to put him in a position to run the entire country. It's it's insane to me. I I can't even believe it's a choice. But 
and yet you got people like. And you if said. he goes down during the four years, we've got we've got the ones oh, going to take his place. Kamala Harris. I'm like, whoa! I just see one nightmare after the other. So it's, it's a bad scenario. We really need to. And besides, I think the next oldest. You godly better get out there. Twenty five million of you didn't even vote. You better get your tail up, and you better vote this time. And look, part of forget the- personality, <laughs> vote policy. <laughs> That's a good. There you go. You should be on my faith. You, you could have been the national spokesperson for my faith votes. No, they'd have got mad. Somebody got fired up. I'd have stuck, Actually, we I'd do have stuck my foot in my mouth one more time. Too much. Hey. Well, you're too preachy for most people. But that, to be honest, the the purpose of the podcast is 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 to his greater point, uh, Alan West's greater point, that we have to somehow change the whole culture. We got to. You know, by getting Jesus back into the whole culture. Well, when he said that about, which I hadn't thought about it, when they started deeming what was essential, well, the most essential thing that you have on the planet is getting off of it. That's right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And there's no other way outside of Jesus. So uh, He made up a a, a good point because I was just looking at the trees and I missed the forest when they're like, oh, you can't sing. You know, in California, they were like, you can't sing in church because we don't want to give somebody the coronavirus, even though you have a mask. Or when you go to pray, we got to do it one at a time at the building. But then you go down. You take take communion because somebody might. Some guy asked me the other day. You can go to Home Depot and buy everything. You know, you're bumping into people. (laughs) (laughs) Some guy asked me the other day. Said, "Have you ever thought about running for president?" I said, "Let me see now. I'm a C plus man who points people to Jesus. With those two uh, accolades." And with that kind of acumen, a C-plus man, and you're hollering about Jesus, I said, boy, I'm asking for a lot of trouble here if I went down that road. Woo! Well, after seeing the uh, treatment of Trump and his family in these last four years, I I wonder why anybody would want to run for president. I mean, I admire these people because I'm like, you talk about white-hot every moment of your life. Well, that's probably true on both sides. I mean, no matter who you are, if you're you're, you're just going to be... Attack, but you know it's not much different from following Jesus not in an unashamed much. manner. I mean, I I did an event last night. I when I I think they were shocked when I brought up Jesus because I was introduced as the one who was going to provide the entertainment. But I thought to myself, huh, I'm also going to give you a way off the planet. And it's I, like the time they invited me to speak some group, and uh, one of our sponsors. I walked in the door. I was their guest speaker, and the first thing I noticed, there was a bar in the back, and the liquor was flowing, <laughs> and they had a rap band getting after it. And a rap band? A like, rap. Rappers. <laughs> they were rapping on the stage. That seems and, like a weird contrast. And the liquor was flowing, and they had invited yours truly, here, y'all's dad, to speak at this event. Well, when I got up there, I was there. Your mother told me. Your mother told me later. She said, "I have never seen a party die out." <laughs> that fact. she said, "You single-handedly, yeah, people were hiding their bottles. Yeah, the rap band left. The I mean, I was. I thought, well, they asked me to speak. And now boy, let's back up here. So they somebody asked you to come speak, and they thought it was a good idea to have a rap band well, open for you. Let's take a quick break." 
And so, when I saw it, I said, well, I've I never told I've you that never, party was going to die. I said, I've never spoken about Jesus in front of this type group, but let's give her a word. So they were actually, they, they did rap, but they, they were like a, they did like um, cover songs from the 70s of like, you know, all that uh, rhythm and blues stuff. You know, we were, yeah. it, it was in Memphis is where we were, but dad's right. I mean, it was a party pooper, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> when he, the louder he got, the, you know, all of a sudden it was just people were still trying to talk at first. Then all of a sudden it was just, nope. It is worthy of note <laughs> that the company <clears throat> stayed with us. They did. But they never invited me to speak again. <laughs> no. Nope. Didn't. They started getting me inside. No call things. back, James. What do you I, think? I wish I could have said. Well, I, look, I had a similar, I mean, we it was a good event last night. I was in. South Carolina, and it was they were raising money for cancer research, and but it was not a uh, church thing. These were people with money, and we all united. Let's attack cancer. Well, Jason Great. made an interesting point. The point is, it doesn't have to be a church thing. Oh, that's, that's right. right. When if you say we're going to go out on a limb and ask these people to speak. We know what we know what they're going to say, and, and they're not going to come up here and sugarcoat it. Right. They're just going to come up and point you to Jesus because you said it. Life and immortality riding on it. We might ought to look into this That's carefully. Right. Well, I, you know, I told them about especially uh, about cancer. I mean, you know, that's I told them about all the kids I've met. I mean, hundreds that we've prayed with, we've talked to, hundreds. we've seen them die. I mean, it, it's it's. And I told him, I was like, and it's, seen, it's terrible. And seen a lot of them live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, but I'll tell you this. If you want to really look at the answer, the problem is that we're perishable. And, and I've used your line. Even if you live a perfect life as far as physically and are in great shape your, your entire life, whatever happens, a tree falls on you or you have a car wreck, you're going to die. That's it. The problem is we're perishable, and I'm introducing I'm introducing a a person, a being that there's a lot of evidence that he was here. We have the Bible, we have you know DNA. I mean, I had all my my little arguments there. He's imperishable. He has the ability to control the atoms and the molecules. I just thought, since we're here to talk about that, this would be a good option. And the requirements are love him yeah. and love your neighbor. I still don't see the downside. There is no downside. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. Which I, I like that boldness, though. And we all do it. <clears throat> and we speak, like, most of the times we get invited to stuff that's spiritual in nature. So it's easier, you know, to do those. But all of us have been in settings where it was unexpected, and some people didn't even appreciate it. I'm sure you had a, a few walkouts. You know? I had a few walkouts. But look, here's what's interesting. You know, the first thing I did, they said, they said, no, what we thought about doing, you know, they were kind of whispering, it. we want to do a duck call contest, you know, before you speak. And so we'll get up, and uh, I was like, well, do you duck hunt? He said, no, I've never been duck hunting. I said, why don't you just let me handle the duck call contest? <laughs> I, I can, this is my world. And they were all, the little committee was like, I said, trust me, I got this. I said, bring the contestants. Well, I was surprised when we got up there, there was only three contestants. There were two 50-year-old men and an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> and I'm in South Carolina. Times and, are hard and, and in the I duck look, world. I looked in their hands, and they all had a mallard call. We know, South Carolina, there's a bunch of wood ducks there. Very few mallards. Not many mallards. Yeah. 
Yep. And so I asked. We're in a strange uh, oh, location. Are we good? <laughs> was, that, was that gunfire? Well, no, we're know. at our church, remember, so just bear with us with strange Technically noises. Technically at the church building. Yeah, that's true. That's we'll true. talk about that later. <laughs> and so I, I leaned down, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to say this. I got the mic, and I said, look, we're in South Carolina. Your number one duck is a wood duck. Y'all have mallard calls. I said, I'm looking at the three contestants. I'm looking at this, this eight-year-old girl. I said, but I've got a feeling that you're going to win. And so the crowd, ah, there's this little girl. I said, look at the courage. Yeah. And I said, how long have you been, you know, practicing? You know what that proves? Yeah, you know what that proves? That coming right out of South Carolina, a good southern state, if a little girl is entering a duck call contest, yeah. Jace, there's still hope for America. I've thought the same thing. <laughs> so look, I said, how long have you been, you know, using this call? And she said, I just got it today. I said, okay, here, I'm going to explain how duck calls work. So they all listen. I did the thing for the whole audience. I talked about how you had the vision. And it was perfect because you had commander. the little girl as your point of, like, you're teaching her, so then you're able to do it for yeah. the audience. That's and I said, you have two options. You can go championship style. Well, I did it. And, look, I rang that high ball. When I got to about the 50th note, because I just kept on, the crowd started clapping. <laughs> and I don't know if they were trying to keep me standing or they thought I was going to pass out. I did so I stopped. I said, no, ducks don't do that. Everybody laughed. That's a good line. I said, but you can go that approach in your competition. Of course, they're looking like, how in the world am I going to do that? Or you can go, and I talked about meat calls. I talked about what an actual mallard hen did. I quoted Genesis 9, the birthplace of duck hunting. This whole idea was based on matching the sound with the duck. So after all that, I said, okay, contestant number one. So the first 50-year-old guy, well, he tried to go the highball. Yep. It came across as like he was trying to blow a trumpet and something was stuck in it. <laughs> it just went, <laughs> no cadence, no notes, no five to seven, no feed call. And so it was just kind of a smattering. Yeah. And I said, that was a start. Nobody laughed. I said, contestant number two. Same thing. Just nothing. So then I basically got to the girl and I said, look, I'm going to be honest because I can tell you're a little nervous. You're eight. This is a strange environment. I said, but these two gentlemen to your left have set the bar so low. <laughs> I said, I'm pretty convinced win this thing. that if you maintain a pulse and make a sound, an auto, auto, audio sound out of this call, you will win. And look, she picked that duck call up, and the difference in her and the two guys, she listened. She did a quack, and then she went, the crowd went nuts. And she was fixed to blow some more. I said, don't, don't screw it <laughs> up. Shut her down. You won. Know when to stop. And not only did she win, she really did win. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that, that, maybe that's why Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children. Because she was just listening. She thought, I'm going to try to sound like a duck. And she did what I did. She didn't try to do more than a duck. She just did it. So it was actually pretty good. You got a little life lesson yeah. in there, which is yeah. pretty good. All right, well, we're out of time. Good episode. So I guess the theme for today is vote, vote godly, and vote for the choices that are obvious. I mean, I mean to me, it's not. It's, it's so obvious. Um, I usually don't like to tell people how to vote, but I'm going to tell you how I'll vote. I'll vote for Trump without a doubt. 
because of his record and his policy and what he's done. And, and I think too. it's better for the country. So anyway. It's a no-brainer. Make you a list. Here's the godly principles that are represented on both sides, and then vote accordingly. There you go. Good advice. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube, and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.